We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we are taking control of your radio station. This is the podcast... Not today, Dave! Tell me what the lick read. Pretty face, thin waist with the sick weed. First time fish telling in the six feet. Real bad boy, tell him come and get me. I'm at the fight. Bang kind of like Bellman. Only took a trip to the truck twice. Unpack the Mac 11 and their Max. Stuff six figures in my damn Air Max. Yeah. This is normally the show where we talk about these songs that were deemed hot enough to be included in the Triple J Hottest 100 of 1993, but not this week. We are talking about songs that are hotter than that. <laughs> the songs that we personally would have voted for had we been uh, voting age at the time that the Hottest 100 <laughs> of 1993 was coming. Yeah, I was five. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know the band yeah. that I voted for when I was four. I would have been a cause kid. Yeah. I know if I did, if I was into them. Uh, Nick Curios. Probably would would have voted for the band that I voted for. There's a bit of a hint. <laughs> Spoilers coming up. We're very, very excited about this podcast. Very, very excited to talk about the songs. I am Adam Buncher, though. Dave is right. Joining me today, of course, uh, Nathan Harrison. Hello. Andrew McDonald. Good evening. And DJY himself, who... You know, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure to do with my hands. Yeah. Uh, it's hard sitting there, isn't it? Yeah, this is weird. Yeah, but you're it's in a the good, passenger seat. No, it's a good feeling. You're like, you're you're like when a singer-songwriter has to do a song with no guitar, and they just Oh, yeah, I've handed the guitar there, to like, someone else. Uh, can someone hand me a tambourine? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two tambourines. Two tambourines, <laughs> any better style? <laughs> Okay, let's do this. Let's start off with Nathan's song. Nathan, would you like to introduce it for us? Yeah, absolutely. The song that I picked was Earth Died Screaming by Tom Waits. Crows big as airplanes Fly as And someone will eat The skin that is Screaming by Tom Waits, the first track off his album Bone Machine. Tom Waits, obviously, is an institution. I picked this song because it is an amazing song. It's so dark, it's so haunting, but it's so wise and old as well. It takes the sort of inevitability of mortality and it weaves it into this amazing post-apocalyptic ghost story. The sounds here are classic weights. You have the percussion, which which totally sound like bones. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's gorgeous. You have the touches of blues guitar every now and then. And then when those bass notes come in in the chorus, it's incredible. It's it's so deep, but unsettling and so weighted. It's like your stomach dropping when you see something horrible and inescapable. It's, it's beautiful. In 1993, in this countdown, you have all these grunge kids whining about relationships and dogs and, and, feel, and feeling alone and stuff the like that. Fucking dogs. And, and Tom Waits is the old man in the dark corner of the room who yeah. spits at you and says, Get a grip, son, this is life. It's incredible. This album was the first true new studio Tom Waits stuff since Rain Dogs in 85. Uh-huh. He put out a couple of things between those two, but it was a collection of songs for a play that he wrote with his wife Kathleen and then uh, the soundtrack for the Jim Jarmusch film. Yes. As well. Oh, which so, one was that? Um, I cannot remember. Not on Earth. Like, yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, so this is like, this is, you know, 
first brand new weights in, in a while and awesome. in many ways it's kind of follow up to Rain Dogs which yeah. is obviously an impeccable album I think this song I think Bow Machine in general but this song particularly as the opening track um, is a lot more accessible though than a lot of the stuff on Rain Dogs and on Swordfish Trombone yeah. like it's the weirdness is still there but it's sort of that's the stuff that's making the song and the songs themselves are, are much more accessible and digestible mm. which is, is really interesting he recorded this in the room now known as the Weight Studio and about that, he said, I found a great room to work in. It's just a cement floor and a hot water heater. Okay, we'll do it here. It's got some good echo. Right. <laughs> Tom Waits. Classic Tom Waits. Waits. Yeah. yeah that's the it. video is amazing too. It's just bits and pieces from the 1953 sci-fi film Earth Dies Screaming. Uh, and that just really adds to the sort of otherworldness, that off-kilter feeling. It's part of a story that you know is huge, but you only get these really small fragments and this kind of weird sense of dread from all these people falling over. The song has crazy weights, timeless feel. I think you could he could have released this today and it wouldn't yeah. sound dated at all. Like just yeah. the way he uses sounds is incredible. Because well, he operates outside of the norms it's so exactly, much. Yeah, he exactly. Could do that. Well, he, he doesn't do things that are placed in time yeah. in that way. No, it's like um Rain Dogs, which is from my favourite Tom Waits record. It's like came out in the mid eighties, but it doesn't it sounds you think of what was popular, even again in this time as well, it doesn't so like there's the, the 992, 93, 94 production sounds. They're just totally absent here. Absolutely. It's so, mm. he's mid, like, when I think of Tom Waits' production aesthetic, I always think of the term earthy. It's so, it's absolutely, yeah. it's holistic Good and word. it's really fucking, yeah. it's meaty and there's some real weight to everything that happens. Well, there's a, there's a really good reason for that in this track because mm. uh, Tom was talking about trying to get that percussion sound, the bones that we yeah. talked about in, in was, open, yeah. you know, uh, quotation marks there yeah. <laughs> he was talking about like he was banging all kinds of stuff against all kinds of mics and no one could get it right so it was eventually just a field recording they went and banged sticks on the ground yeah, and they right. recorded that it's like that's it that's, it that's the so one well. I'm looking for yeah. Yeah. and I just think in, in this countdown that we've had full of like you know imitation grunge and, and all these terrible exercise techno tracks this song would have added a lot of depth and colour and maturity and that's yeah. why I've picked this song yeah great chance. what do you guys think of the song it is wonderful. It is yeah. one of Tom Waits' finest hours, I think. It's the song that people who I know who aren't huge for Tom Waits still love this track. Um, his voice... The, the two things that he does well with his voice are obviously the barking, grungy kind of sound like yeah. there's in the chorus of this track, mm. but then also the more spoken word rock on tour kind of... It's so menacing. Yeah, the, the whispered menace of like... I guess he does... Every album kind of has a a customary spoken word tune but in this song the spoken words echoed around the beat kind of thing a bit more traditionally and it's so 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 incredible the music is wonderful everything about this track is one of Tom Waits greatest efforts it's just so southern Americana gothic but not in a trite way just in a way that kind of rings true for Faulkner but then also it's just exclusively Waits this is is when I I think of Tom Waits I honestly think of Jockey Full of Bourbon from Rain Dogs and Earth Died Screaming those are two those are the Waits codifiers for me I'm I'm a new jack uh, when it comes to Tom Waits. Ah, that's, uh, that's a good place to be. The foot's mm. on the, the foot's finally on the other. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird. Like, because I know a lot of his fairly recent material. Like, I can I can recite all of Hell Broke Loose or anything ah. of his uh, last record, which is called Bad as Me, which came out in 2011, I believe. Great record. It's a yeah. it's a fucking awesome record. So I know a lot of his fairly like relatively more recent material uh, songs like. Make It Rain and uh, Alice, uh, both beautiful, amazing songs. Uh, but if you ask me to name any of his like seventies stuff or like his like jazzy spoken word sort of stuff, I'd be like, ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Like I'm aware it exists, but I'm still kind of working my way backwards, which is weird because I normally say that the the beginning is a very good place uh, to start. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't. I went straight to the end, and uh, I've, I've kind of come in through that way. So, Bone Machine as a whole is still a record that I haven't checked out, but uh, this is a great discovery for me. Uh, as a in for this record, this is a really cool way to get into it. I think, I, like, we've all mentioned the percussion is just fantastic. Yeah. The groove that it gets into, the shift in the vocals where it kind of goes from the mumble, like, from a whisper to a shout, yeah. so to speak, is pretty amazing. Uh, it's it's just otherworldly. This is the single best song from 1927 to get released in <laughs> yeah. 1993. Yeah. So it's a it's, cool. it's a really interesting experience. I I love what I what I've heard of Tom Waits so far over the last few years, and uh, of course 
There's so much more to discover. Uh, honestly, like, I've actually really kind of discovered a lot of his stuff through other people performing his songs. Yeah. So, for example, for example, really nice. uh, The Dissociatives, which was the project of Paul Mack and Daniel Johns. Oh, Just putrid. <laughs> Just putrid. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's, when I first heard, that's when I first heard Going Out West. Oh, did I cover that? Yeah. I can't wait to never hear it. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing uh, it now. I'm Don't lo- wait. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm always looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I loved it, but then again, I'm a total Silverchair apologist, so that's 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 yeah. purely on me. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't revisited the Dissociatives since I first heard the album. There you first go. Came that's out, so that's something to do. I don't know what I, how I found uh, it. Now. The Ramones uh, covering "I Don't Want to Grow yeah, Up" yeah. from this album mm-hmm. uh, later on, and uh, the Eagles uh, covering "Old 55." Oh, of course. Yes, which is a, another uh, absolutely amazing song. So I guess uh, through other people's experiences, I've come to know Tom Waits over the years, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to furthering the the relationship. Bit of trivia for you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, the bass for this song, Les Claypool. There you from go. Primacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. collaborated quite a few times. Yeah. And uh, Keith Richards, Richards is on the album. On the well. album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? He also, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And on, uh, he also played on Bad As Me as well. He played on Hell Broke Loose along he with, does. Along with Flea yeah. that we talked mm, about last yeah. week. Very cool. It's also a cast. Yeah. All coming together. People who like Tom Waits are cool people. I think I'm pretty... I've noticed that. You noticed that? Yeah. I always I always kind of noticed that. They're the guys, the guys who managed to wear like you know, really interesting print shirts. They found in op shops and smoke cigarettes and stand on briefcases <laughs> and carry briefcases. So why do you need a briefcase, man? Because you're a Tom Waits fan. They're just, <laughs> got they're just cool like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just a yeah. single foil wrapped sandwich. Yeah. But you like Tom Waits, so you yeah. carry a leather briefcase and power to them. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm not heaps into... T- I've listened to Mule Variations. That's the Good album mm. that... Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, that's the one album I'm really familiar with with Tom Waits. But this song is awesome. I love the inversion of the chain gang that goes on in this track. Yeah, a few people have sure. talked about it. Yeah. Because normally the, the whole thing with the chain gang is you're singing something to, to, that's uplifting and getting you through the work that you yeah. have to do. But this is the exact opposite. It's, yeah. just, it's just going to the end of the world. It's very bleak. Yeah. And, but, and but I, really, yeah. is there any better way to go out than with your dying and screaming and you're lying down dreaming of someone? That's, yeah. Well, There's that's, that romanticism about it. All. In that's the end, Tom it's does. a love song. Yeah. And it's great. It's what Tom does. Yeah. Beautiful and, we all know, and we all know that when the world ends, all this going to be left is dust termites and keith okay. richards and tom waits jamming yeah, yeah. that's it that's on the dust and termites yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh i've got some great sound from these termites <laughs> yeah. I'm, not so, get, I'm not getting the right sound from these termites. <laughs> tom, tom i'm high <laughs> <laughs> what's what's happening man i'm very sad <laughs> will we ever get to talk about tom waits again dave we, ne- we he never, never made it into no. a hottest 100 not even a cover what an injustice <laughs> What I, an injustice that Scarlett Johansson's uh, incredible uh, covers album. Did you not know this? No, no, but did she make it in? No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying what a shame that she never did. Yeah. Anywhere I Lay My Head was mm. the name of that record. You know what? I think it'd be a much cooler countdown if we had a little bit more Tom Waits. And if the people as who voted was. were Tom Waits fans. Because, as stated, they're cool guys. They definitely are. Hey, Dave. Hi. So, you got a song that you would have voted for? I do. Uh, I have picked my postal vote, and I have gone with the Flaming Lips single, She Don't Use Jelly. I know a girl who thinks she goes She'll make you breakfast She'll make you toast But she don't use butter and She don't use cheese She don't use jelly
Dave, tell us a little bit about She Don't Use Jelly. Uh, well, first, before I tell you that story, I should probably tell you this story. Uh, the Flaming Lips are a band that's uh, a band I adore. I've seen them live twice. They're a band that have totally captured my imagination as a child when I first discovered uh, them uh, through their album Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots from 2001. Uh, which features another one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest songs ever written, Do You Realize, which is mm-hmm. an absolutely devastating and beautiful song all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Flaming Lips have been a big part of my life for a long time. To go all the way back, this is their first major and pretty much only major commercial success. This was a big crossover for them. It's just a joyous, beautiful nonsense song. And sometimes that's all you need. It is genuinely baffling to me that despite all the love and, and praise that they've gotten over the years. The Flaming Lips have only ever been in the Hottest 100 once. And that was in 2003 when they teamed up with the Chemical Brothers and uh, did a song together called The Golden Path. Which so is, nothing from Machine got in? No. Also wow. Bulletin. Also Bulletin? No, not a thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, both of which contain some absolutely classic uh, tracks, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, Race for the Prize, A Spoonful yeah. Weighs a Ton. Uh, mm. yeah. They were well regarded as soon as Flight they came test. out as well, mm. weren't they? Those, this, both those albums. Like they, yeah, did, yeah mm. that's weird. I, I really, really love this track. Uh, I, it's, it's a track that is pure joy, and it is a song that means absolutely nothing and is so proud of the fact it means absolutely nothing. Uh, Wayne Coyne, the vocalist, songwriter, and main person behind the Flaming Lips, has gone on record cool as guy. saying... Pretty cool guy. Pretty cool. Uh, has gone on record as saying uh, this took him about 15 minutes to write. And yes. it, it totally, <laughs> it's to- you can totally tell. But I love that this song is just such an anomaly within the discography of the Flaming Lips. Uh, I really, really love this band. It's kind of funny talking about them in 2014 where they've been in the press recently but not the good kind that you no. like uh, uh, yes Mr. Wayne Coyne because of their friends yeah uh, well Mr. <laughs> Wayne Mr. Wayne Coyne uh, has fired the longtime drummer of the Flaming Lips and they've had a pretty public falling out and it's been well documented that Wayne is having a little bit of a midlife crisis right yeah. now he's hanging out with Miley Cyrus quite a bit taking a lot of acid with her and he's currently he divorced his wife and of 20-something years and is now dating a woman 20 years younger than him, as you do. Yeah. So, uh, taking lots of shirtless selfies. Yeah, taking a lot of shirtless selfies. Him and, him and Cyrus have matching tattoos now, I believe. They do. Of, yeah. They, they do. They, they definitely they, do. They, it's they like have, a dog. Have, it's yeah, a dog, Nathan. <laughs> but it's just about a dog again. <laughs> yeah, is, I think. Miley's dog died, so they both got tattoos of it. Did he Whoa. know Miley's dog? I don't know. We need Probably to not. That. He just wanted another tattoo because, hey, he's cool and crazy like that. Out of like, no way, we all knew Miley's dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wayne's, fi- <laughs> Wayne's 53 now, yes. so, you know, he's kind of... the. He's definitely he's a fully grey man now, and he's a still yeah. a good head of hair. Oh, amazing head of hair! Don't wiry, get me wrong, but, uh, yeah. So uh, a lot of people will only know the Flaming Lips, like among the youth of today, quote unquote, for their a relationship with people like that, and, and people like Kesha, who appeared on the Hetty Fuens uh, compilation Fwens. album, and they have a working on an album together, Lipsha. Yeah, I, I I genuinely hope that sees the light of day because Same. I fucking love Cashman and I fucking love the Flaming Lips. So. Last woman in pop. Yeah, so I guess I'd I'd like to throw it to you guys. Uh, I I don't know what the relationship with Flaming Lips is for you guys, but uh, I guess talking about their biggest single is probably a good place to start. So let's let's see what you guys uh, think. Well, you know, I actually I guess I'm not as surprised now knowing that nothing from Nishimi and nothing from the Pink Bulletin got in. Yeah, so like absolutely nothing. <laughs> like they've only they've only technically been in the Hottest 100 via association. Yeah. yeah. When I heard this song, I immediately thought, like, wait, this, this doesn't make sense. This How didn't get in. Totally. How no. could this not when, get in? When you said you said that song, and I was like, no, that's like, was that this year? It must be in the countdown. And it's, 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 it's so Triple J bait. I remember yeah, hearing on Triple J so much. Yeah, absolutely. Up. It's like Triple J as it comes. I think I think if it was released a few years later, it would have definitely been in it. Around the same time, like Spider-Bait, Regurgitator, and all yeah. that sort of thing. But I think that's an excellent point, because I think even now, if it was released, like, it's, if it was released today, it probably would it would go off the off the scale, yeah. because it's got that kind of indie whimsy yeah. about yeah. it. Like, it, it almost has it too much. And I think if, <laughs> if, if someone were to... Com- like, I don't find it a problem. Like, I, I quite appreciate it. But if someone was to say... I hate this song, and I actually read an AV Club article with uh, John Langdon. Do you know, does that name ring a bell, Dave? No, no, I never hate a song about it. 
he, he had a hate yeah he had a hate oh. rant about how much he hates this particular track oh, he also I he also rambled hats. he also rambled on to Sting in U2 yeah. and you know it, it just became <laughs> very hateful what yeah. you do wow. but he did he did talk about this song it's just like you know I just how much it irks him I can understand that position but I'm yeah. not I'm yeah. not there I I think the song is super song's awesome yeah. the lap steel melodies it's so yeah. good it's so it's so great and the way it's used throughout like the lap steel is throughout the whole song but yeah. the things that it does is so wonderful and I like the fact that it's rocky for a flaming lips song as well like they don't really get this rocky very often yeah well these first few albums that they released before they before Zyrika were quite like of, of this sound like oh okay yeah. they're, they're not that weird a band yet no Watching they're the not video, that's, that's what thing. struck yeah. me I was like man they, not, they don't look that weird yeah yet. they're just a bunch of guys making kind of like well they have that that early compilation was called finally the punks are taking acid and that's exactly what this sound <laughs> huh. is yeah. it's, it's yeah. worth yeah. mentioning that some things may change but some things will always stay the same that being Wayne's coin's hair in the video for She Don't Use Jelly <laughs> is the fucking greatest. amazing it's yeah. so good but yeah. Yeah, but like just even visually, they don't. Completely orange. Oh, I've seen it. So yeah. good. They, they don't look that weird. No, it's like oh, this is, yeah, this is not, just a '90s band that's doing exactly a weird song. It. They hadn't gotten weird yet. Yeah. And yeah. this, I know this song is jams to the other. It's so, it. it's so yeah. This whole album is fantastic. These first few, I guess, Lips albums from, I guess, you know, pretty late '80s into the, yeah. into the '90s. Yeah, uh, yeah. Up until I recap before they started doing the weird thing, are still fantastic. They're They've aged a lot quicker than the other ones have, but they're, they're way more of a time. But the, it's fantastic stuff. It's always yeah. wonderful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I really love what you said about just the band capturing your imagination because that's yes, yeah. that's the yeah. flaming lips. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. Or like all those songs, it's just like that's so crazy. And visually, they're just yeah. a, a spectacular band. Like I saw them at Harvest a few years ago. Yeah, same. The, oh, the confetti cannons. Yeah. Yeah. That was an amazing oh, show. Like this is Worth crazy. The like what is happening? And even like yeah. even since then, stuff like the twenty four hour song. Yeah. And like yes. the, 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 the USB skulls. skull things yeah. and stuff like they're, they're so inventive oh, they, they, they did a whole cover of Dark Side of the Moon as well yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. and they're going to do that again for Sgt. Pepper and they yeah. did, that's, they, that's they, really cool they did it for Court of the Crimson King as well wow they are like they're oh, such, this is the first track of that such yeah. an, an imaginative <laughs> band that like absolutely they just they capture your imagination yeah. and they're, they're so they're so unique in yeah. that, and that they do things that you're like, wow, I can't believe that this yeah. band is doing this, but I'm so glad one is. I'm quick to crap on them kind of these days, because I think they're like, partly because of Wayne, and partly because I think their yeah. most recent records have become a bit passe. And yeah, it's, did it's, anyone listen to The Terror? Yeah, there's some right. on it. You know, I, I think The Terror was underrated. Yeah, I, I, I really... Know. I mean, I didn't listen to it heaps, but I really enjoyed it when I, I had it on. Fucking I think I did listen to it, but the fact that I can't remember it probably yeah. says something. There's some more right songs on it. I think Look, The Sun Is Rising is a really good I yeah. agree, it's great open up. I, thought and I like the it, 10 minutes song on there as well. Yeah, mm. I thought it held together as a, as a cohesive yeah. album really, really well, and that's kind of what struck me yeah, about I it. I prefer it to Embryonic. Embryonic was cool, it it had, but it was patchy. It's too long as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, every, but I like, I like the pretty much 99% of every double, double album. You can just, yeah. like, that could be one album. That yeah. could be a really good album. But yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> obviously, Yashimi is fantastic. Uh, yeah, 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 that's an amazing, that's still my favorite yeah. flip circle. Or uh, featuring, uh, obviously, uh, named after uh, Yoshimi Piwe from yes. Boredoms. That's right. Yeah. Who's just super what, what, is, what is Boredoms? Mate, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah what? Right, <gasps> J- Japanese, <gasps> I guess, started off being brutally fast, noisy punk rock, and uh-huh. has since morphed into they only perform shows where they have like 100 drummers. And wow. they like to get a hundred drummers and in a big circle, and then the main guy in Boredom's eye, who's Yoshimi's husband, and Yoshimi stands. Is his middle, name just I? Uh, e Y E. Oh, um, oh, great! Even better. They just get wild with these theremins, and he has a seven neck guitar device that he just jams on. Yes. And yeah. Drummers when, they, when he wants to get into crap rocky <laughs> drumming, they are the wildest band. I awesome. saw them at the Metro in 2010 with uh, mere six drummers. Which was a bit yeah. piss week, but yeah. uh, still one of the greatest shows I've ever been to. Yeah, so awesome. yeah, definitely check out Boredoms if you get there. Well, chance. it sounds like they are like the only band that is actually better than the Flaming Lips themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at that uh, Boredom show, uh, was not uh, Mr. Zach Hill featured on one He of the was drums? one of the drummers, yeah. yes. Wow. That, that, that's the caliber of drummer they Well, get. no, dude, he counts as four drummers, so you did get to <laughs> So that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever get the chance to see the Flaming Lips live, go. Yeah, we've see, all like, seen the Flaming Lips. No, I'm you very haven't gutted. seen them. No, oh, dude, really? Yeah. Man, 
we'll, I've, they yeah, will be back. Hopefully. They will definitely be back. And we'll definitely all go. We'll have the best Hey, with time. any luck, uh, they might, they, we might be able to get them to open for Miley Cyrus when she comes out in October. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a hell of a show. I don't want to live in a timeline that has the Flaming Lips opening for Miley Cyrus. Oh, dude, that'd be so up for I it. I don't want to live in a timeline where it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, actually, uh, one last fact about this song before we move on. That yes. we talked about how Beavis and Butthead uh, broke... What song? Plush? Plush. But yeah. also this one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, right. song, this song got famous because of Beavis and Butthead. So uh, yeah. that shows... Also, kind of props to Wayne for rhyming something with Orange. Yeah. yeah. Good on ya. Yeah. That's what? some songsmithery song right there. Yeah. You know, oh, what was he it? Um, she don't use nothing that you buy in a store. She likes her hair to be a real orange. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, it's you're pushing it, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> then oh, again, that's the story of his life. On that, you, is, is Eternal Sunshine a, a reference to this song? Oh, that's she, an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about there that. Might be something Clem, in that. Clem, Clem has Possibly. her hair. She changes her hair regularly, but that, that's. And she calls herself Tangerine, fine. so that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, the hair colour is also thematically linked to the ideas and the and the timeline oh, of course. as well. And the Gondry. But, uh, but the fact oh, that... Oh, the Gondry. But I don't know, yeah, it's yeah, a tangerine. Could be something there. She <laughs> dyes her hair and it's tangerine, so that's Hopefully. kind of what I thought. <laughs> okay, cool. That's the flips. That's the flips. Catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to witness something very, very special. Mr. Andrew McDonald talking about shoegaze. Yes. It's, um, it's a miracle of nature. There are a few songs I was thinking of picking. Um, there was, a, like, from that period, there were some great tracks from uh, Mazzy Star, Stereo Lab, Mercury Rev. There was a very nice Swans record. A few albums that I was thinking of, but I had to go back to Slow Dive's impeccable record, Suvlaki, and this song, When the Sun Hits. kind of shoegaze action at the time they didn't have the immediate pop power of your MBV or your ride but it's only kind of in the last kind of five to ten years that they've gotten some acclaim properly and that's why I guess they've mm-hmm. just they've just reformed a matter of months ago sure um, working on new material touring at the moment hopefully coming to Australia um, yeah I think they're absolutely incredible This their, their sound is always a, a little closer to ambient and dream pop music they indeed the record after this was a straight-up kind of ambient rock record. Um, yeah, but this song, the, the lushness of this, the starting kind of guitar is so shimmering, but then I mm-hmm. guess the moment um, the with the lyric is, it matters where you are, and I guess that is the eponymous moment when the sun hits, is so, so, so warm. It's like, feels like, it feels like lying under a doona on a rainy day to me. I absolutely adore the vocal interplay between uh, Neil and Rachel Goswell. I think they work one like perhaps better than even uh, Belinda and Kevin together as vocalists. I think they're just a gorgeous band. The, the start of the song almost could be a Cure song with this kind of melancholy dreariness. Yeah, cool. yeah, but then when it punches in and it just gets to, into absolute like classic upon classic shoegaze territory, the shimmering guitar sound, that, that one note that seems to last forever, just that yeah. sustained feedback driven pedal work is just absolutely impeccable I they're, they're one of those bands that they they do so much texturally with Sonics that I don't think that 
the people that imitated them could ever have held a candle to them. And there were many bands in the mid-90s that kind of ate that kind of shoegaze sound, and that's kind of why it fell out of favour and turned to shit for so long. Because everyone was just trying to mimic Ride and Vivian Slowdive. It's yeah, kind of sure. the big three. Um, and this band, I think, this record this is from Suvlaki is just such an untouchable album. And this song, kind of the midpoint of the record, is so essential. And I just... The way, the way it shimmers and the way it glows, nothing really comes close to it for me. I absolutely adore it. I understand that it's not going to be everyone's favourite song of the ones that we're talking about here, but I do think that it is absolutely wonderful and speaks to me in a really deep way. They, 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 they channel a kind of melancholy that I don't think many bands do. It's a really celebratory kind of feeling, but it's, there's a sadness that undercuts it all, and I really just adore it. That's what, that's what Shoegaze is to me, man. Like, yeah. that, that melancholy and that beautiful pain, mm. in a way. Like, because it's, it's abrasive, but at the same time, there's so many pop elements to it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty, very, very it's beautiful. Pretty. Yeah. And this, when I when I hear this song, like, in isolation and whatever, I go like, right, man, that's archetypal Shoegaze. Yeah, it's fully. Even, even like, uh, when the sun hits, and yeah. we talk about the, the kind of chorus or that more blown apart section yeah. where it gets noisier... And the way that they've kind of combined the high and the low, like, really, it's like two really important shoegaze yeah. sounds kind of happening simultaneously there, yeah, which absolutely. is really, really nice. Do you wish that maybe it was a little bit noisier? Because I feel like it's a little restrained compared well, to some I think other shoegaze. Yeah, well, that's the whole album. is Like, their, their first record, Just For A Day, is more straight up. Yeah. Like, I guess, Sucking Like Shoegaze, more like your, your Love My Bloody Valentine's. It's like, harsher in a way? Yeah, definitely. The first record is much harsher. They got uh-huh. prettier. They only have the three records. And each one is prettier than the previous one. The final one, Pigmalon, is very, very abstract and ambient. There's very little time where there's any, there's a lot, a lot of silence in that record. And they yeah. got and compared to the first one, just for a day, which is just like a noisy rock record, they got prettier as they went on. So I kind of like that in a way because I've explored them chronologically. So as yeah. each one has a different purpose, and this one's purpose is a noisy prettiness, not a pretty noisiness. And I think uh, I think the lyrics also get that prettiness across yeah, so very sure. well. Yeah. They're, they're just wonderful for the track. Did you do you know about the the story of the album and the, the writing of it and the problems that the band had? Do you... No, I haven't really looked into it, to be honest. Okay, um, well, I, yeah, I kind of discovered this recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the, the legend has it yeah. that they wrote, like, hundreds of songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's a slight... <sighs> Slight hyperbole, or I call I call shenanigans on that. <laughs> but the whole thing was uh, they had a bit of trouble with NME um, uh-huh. and some other major. I know, yeah, that they, they were never liked in the press at the time. Yeah, and they were so young and they were so yeah. impressionable that apparently they just they had no confidence. So there were these hundred songs or whatever, they were just they scrapped all of them. Yeah, right. And they started again. Yeah, there was, uh, I, know, I know that they were never really loved huge in the press. They talk about when they were doing their reunion, their first reunion shows and that people were, like, they were playing the sold-out crowds and they were just in awe of it. They can't imagine people coming to their shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this, and this track actually, uh, they almost dropped. Right. Wow. Like, yeah. oh, I'm glad they didn't. Mm, yeah, yeah. Very I was so. thrown up between this and the uh, opening track on the record, Allison, which I yep. think is another incredibly gorgeous song. But I think this is the core song on the record for me. This is easily my favourite song yeah. from, from, cool. the, from the album, which yeah. I listened to because you told me to. Great. Um, <laughs> really. And you know about the, uh, for a final bit of a kind of story about it, the Eno Factor? He was involved yes, in... Yes, on one song on the record. Was it this song? Uh, I think it was Sing. Right. Yeah. yeah, he came in or whatever. Yeah, and apparently really they helps. talk about him walking into the studio and just ripping a clock off the wall and putting it on the mixing desk. And they're like, right, create! And, you know, just... Damn it, Brian. Being Brian, yeah. Brian, you know. Okay. So, go back to you two. We'll, <laughs> next uh, week. We'll, yeah. we'll stop the the shoegaze love in between Andrew and yes. I right now. We'll yes. open this up. David. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dave, what do you reckon? How do you feel of this song? I, I, I don't infer you're a huge slow diver. Uh, well, well you, honestly, it's, this is a name I've, I've seen thrown around quite a bit, but it's like, it's never really been a band that I've properly investigated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, the whole shoegaze thing I, really kind of isn't my scene for the most part. I don't like my bloody valentine. Don't tell anyone. They'll kill me. Seriously. I, don't I, tell I, Andrew. Don't, don't, <laughs> tell, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Let it rest. <laughs> I, just, I just, just don't tell anyone. Okay. Uh, so Sorry, anyway, Dave, did you, did you uh, say something, man? No, like no, 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 no. I, I, I just, uh, I was just having a moment with the listeners. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Don't tell anyone. Uh, so, I guess, yeah, this isn't really my my scene, but I, I, I can kind of appreciate this sort of stuff. This is the alternative rock that was the alternative to the alternative rock of the time, really. Uh, I like uh, the progression that kind of is 
the the slow burning movement, that guitar tone is just gorgeous. Uh, I guess my appreciation for stuff like this kind of come again, me being a fucking new jack and all came through uh, my love of Silver Sun pickups. Yeah. Uh, ah, nice. Yeah. So yeah. I, I came to really enjoy that that style of guitar and and guitar tone and the the kind of droning sense of it. Through that sort of stuff, which uh, obviously I'm I'm a fucking new jack, but it's it's something. It, it's giving me kind of an in, uh, and this is this song has definitely picked my interest. It's definitely uh, really intriguing to me. So I, I'd like to know where to go from here. Do I do I listen to this whole record? Is there a, a compilation I try out? Or oh, obviously they're not a greatest hits band, no, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I assume there's something where I where I where I need to keep going, but. Uh, they're, they're definitely, they're on the list, as uh, our dear friend Mr. Andrew O'Keefe would put it. <laughs> Andrew, what, what advice would you give to Dave? Um, for this sound, there's only really this album. Uh, the Silver oh, Lucky. so it changes yeah, uh, for, for the, the rest of their discography? Well, we only have three records. The first oh, okay. one is far more active and busy, and far more, like, I guess, overdriven guitar. Would rocky. I like that? Yeah, if you, it's more. it's probably more like Silver Sun. Okay. This one's far, I guess, lusher and more, I guess, delicate, you'd say. And then the third one is a step even beyond that, mm. even really... This is, this is the rockiest song from the record. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Nathan, you've been real quiet, man. Oh, why? Just letting Andrew <laughs> so talk about... He's, he's just being a spectator, man. Yeah. I haven't listened to, uh, to Slow Dive before, but this, yeah, this song is beautiful. It's yeah. so lovely. Like, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. I, yeah. That, yeah, and that, that warmth, like, I can totally... I feel that, the Duna cold yeah. day. Like, yeah, this is a lovely song. I love how delicate the verses are. And then just that lush, warm prettiness in the chorus yeah. it's beautiful Yeah, this is a great song it, 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 in a way I think it's a very obvious tune there's only so much that you can say about it it's really like, there isn't it's layered in its effects but it's not really layered in terms of the meaning that you can extract from it yeah to but there's some, it, I don't know it just comes across as fairly genuine yeah. from that I, yeah. I think like I just like straight away I, I clicked yeah. into the song was like cool I know what this song is about yeah, I exactly, get to just yeah. indulge being yeah. in the song now and that was really lovely so, yeah well, emotionally is it a what, what, what is it for you I don't know. It's, it's just lovely. Yet. Like no, no, no. Like as in the emotions of the song. Well, yeah. Like because I, I, I think it's emotionally ambiguous to some extent. Like because it's. I mean, obviously, shoegaze has got, as I said, like it's got that beautiful pain aspect. So yeah. you kind of go. It feels way. a bit bittersweet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. It's, it's that like you know even a little bit reminiscent or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, like because I, I I did read a bit about it and then it's sort of about loss and stuff as yeah. well. And yeah. so like that's there I think, but it's yeah. it's bittersweet and it's it's like it's a it's a warm on a cold day bittersweet. Yeah. And it's nice. So there's a comfort to it as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it. I think we got it. All right, which brings it on to me, guys. Enter the Wu Tang. This is Cream. Okay, so this one coming off, 36 Chambers Enter the Wu-Tang, which has to be my pick from 1993. I think if we're getting technical, I don't think this song could have made it into the countdown, even if people were into it at the time, because I think it was released in November, which was maybe past the cutoff. I'm not sure. 
not quite sure on the on the cutoff dates on that. But uh, Wu Tang never had a charting single in Australia, well, at least not off this album, despite all the singles that were released, and and, and then even Wu Tang Forever in '97. No charting singles off that either. It wasn't until they got into their later work, which I'm definitely less familiar with, that they actually managed to get a single on the charts, like, at all. But if we're talking about music from 1993, like, this has to be it for me. Uh, Recently, I went through an experiment where I was listening to as many hip-hop albums as I could chronologically uh, throughout the month of March. It's something we do called March 100 Albums. The idea is listening to 100 albums in the month of March, sometimes with a theme. Mine was hip-hop. But as soon as I got to 93 and I got to the Wu-Tang, my progress stopped because I was just like, okay, I'm here. I found it. Like, I think Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers is like, it's it's a, it's a hip-hop monolith. Like, it's so, it's it's a classic then, it's a classic album that's inspired classic albums. Like, that's a, sure. that's a quote from someone. And like, Wu-Tang's influence on hip-hop cannot be overstated. Like, they were the first kind of, real group like the idea of the collective and the clan and whatever like they were the ones who brought that across and, and they've ne- there hasn't been a phenomenon like that in hip-hop really since like so yeah you got on future now and you've got uh what are those other guys the asaps you got the asap mob the asap mob yeah. you know and then but they're not they're not there yet like from the get-go you've got 1993 you've got this album and and then from there like in 1995 you had like how many members released Soul yeah. Rams, ODP? Liquid Swords then? Jizza, Liquid Swords is in 95. Um, Cuban R- Links? Cuban Links, also 95. And I believe also Iron Man, the first Ghostface Killer. Yes. You just look at the people who are composing the Wu-Tang Clan and what they've gone to do since and the impact that they individually have had on hip-hop. They really are the sum of their parts. <laughs> R.I.P. ODP. Pouring out of 40 right now, oh. you can't say it. People getting like sad about the loss of musicians and whatever. ODB, I genuinely am sad to have lost. Oh, like yeah. it's it's devastating. Like that genuinely gets me. It was a badass. I, oh man, like so much so. Okay, so we've got we've got Cream and whatever. And yeah. I mean, for a start, like even if you hadn't heard Cream, you'd be familiar with the term Cream for money, which and you'd be you'd be almost familiar with the acronym as well. The casuals so everything yeah, around. I was me. about to say, and you would have heard the sample in because it's just you know like that's the sign you've created something for hip hop when yeah. it then has a lineage and a legacy, and this song absolutely totally does. Uh, it encapsulates to me like a large part of what the Wu Tang's all about, which is overcoming. I mean, that's a that's a hip hop thing in itself you know you've got your circumstances and then you use your music to get through it and the way that they do it is they talk about the idea of Shaolin where uh, and Rizzo talks about this in one of his famous his favourite films the Wu-Tang versus the Shaolin the 36 Chambers or whatever like it's where it all came from it's a Kung Fu movie it's basically him connecting the oppression of feudal Japan uh, to the oppression that he suffered and they kind of mythologised New York and Staten Island where they were from as being Shaolin and then you know they were the warriors who were trying to overcome it or whatever so, I think I think that first verse from Ray that um, I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side, and just and and just everything about that is just immaculately crafted. And he didn't he didn't want to do that verse at first. Really? Yeah, he wrote he wrote a fictional verse about a fictional character, and then Rizzo was just like, "No, nah, man, you gotta you gotta make it about you. You gotta make it about you. You gotta you gotta make, you gotta make it this, real. You gotta make this real." Yeah, and so mm. then he came up with that you know immaculate kind of first verse, and and you know like. That, that's that was the correct decision. Like so, yeah, so much of the value in in the Wu Tang stuff is just from their stories, yeah. which again has so much legacy and comes from a legacy. But yeah, and this and Cream is just totally an example of that. You know, like it's you know it's yeah the life the life is hectic. You know, as it says in the song, and then like using music and hip hop as a way to overcome that. Like it's it's a brilliant little slice of hip hop that. You know, and it's been noted in many, many different countdowns in magazines or whatever. Yeah. It's one of the the great hip hop songs. I cannot, I cannot overstate how much I love the Wu Tang. Yeah. Love it, and this song I think is you know like a great, a great example of them. And from an excellent album, and please go and listen to Thirty Six Chambers. Mm-hmm. Like do it on oh, the daily. Oh, for sure. Yeah, love that. Uh, Dave, yeah, you familiar with the Wu? Oh, indeed. Yes, this is this is my favorite. Wu Tang song. It's from my favorite Wu Tang album. You, 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 you're two from two for me. So uh, it's just a good starting point. Uh, I guess yeah, these guys are an obvious like go to in the history of hip hop for a very very valid reason. So when I was getting into stuff in the early two thousands, stuff like uh, Jay Z and Kanye and Nas uh, and the Roots and acts like that. It all naturally led back to discovering this record because it is the hip hop fans' album. Like yep. it is 
the the alpha and omega of this era of hip hop. Uh, yeah. Matched probably only by Illmatic, which would come a year later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, which is from my personal favorite MC of all time, being Nas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I've always loved this track in particular. I think there is, like you said, such a raw honesty to what they're talking about. There's so much conviction in what they're saying, and it's put behind such a incessantly catchy beat that oh, it's, yeah, yeah it just really grabs your attention and uh, really stands out as kind of the centerpiece of this record and discusses it. It's a mix of the hyper fantastical, you know, the Shaolin shadow boxing yeah. mythology that they go with, along with that brutal kind of we live and die by the fucking gutters kind of that really intense style of rapping that they that they bring to it. I'm just, so, I'm just sad there's not more members in this track. In a way. Like <laughs> yeah. you've, you've only you've only you've got Method Man doing the hook and then you've yeah. got the two verses from Rain and Inspector Deck, which is which are both excellent. Yeah, but sure. man, I just would have loved to have seen some ODB and some especially <laughs> some Ghostface. My first exposure to the Wu Tang clan was via Old Dirty Bastard. In nineteen ninety eight he featured on a song uh, with Pras, who is uh, the least known member of the Fugees. Um, oh, yeah, so you've got yeah. Lauren Hill, yeah, and then yeah. you've got Wackley yeah. John, and then you've got Pras. So yeah. Pras did a solo song with Maya, if anyone remembers her, yeah. Uh, yeah. and ODB, which was the lead single to the soundtrack to a film called Bullworth. Wow. Yes. And uh, the song was called Ghetto Superstar. And the hook was a uh, riff on Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. So instead of Islands in the Stream, that is what we are, became Ghetto Superstar, that is what oh. you are. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, so sure. that was my first, I was just like, oh, oh, I can't say that name, that's a naughty name. This will be an interesting contrast, quite similar to Cold Chisel, where what? For, you'll see, <laughs> Go on. Okay, for yeah. quite some time, I was put off by them uh, because of their fans. People and like me. No, <laughs> definitely not people like you. People that would stab me in a Woolworths car park. Uh, those kind of people, very uh, shady, dodgy, uh, yeah. Worst kind thing, of it's fuckers who would play that shit uh, through the speakers on their phone. Worst thing, because the Wu Tang clan, like a lot of hip hop, has this kind of vibe. But the Wu Tang, I guess, with the whole the whole Shaolin imagery, hip hop, I guess, at its peak at this time, it was exciting and dangerous. Yeah, and yeah. the Wu Tang clan did that in a way that was very, very different to the way that other groups say in the UA had it done cut, it. It's yeah. not, very close to home. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a danger that's like. On like the front cover of Straight Outta Compton, when they're standing there and they're pointing a gun at you, that's no. like a legitimate danger. Yeah, it's like, oh, fuck. It's not, not necessarily mock danger, but it's done with a theatricality that I think is really they mythologize. Yeah, it's yeah, really unique right. in the history of hip hop, at least to someone who isn't crazily familiar with the genre. But this song, I um, am familiar, of course, like like anybody who's white, I'm familiar <laughs> through Girl Talk. <laughs> <laughs> but that, is, that, that, that isn't, of course, not to disparage the tune, because no. the tune is a baller. It is... Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, like, Ray's flow, the first verse, is so... It's so great. Yeah, it's almost... Um, there's almost a kind of... It's almost a swung beat. It doesn't really hang on the the note. It always, it, it's like a half step behind, and he's always trying to just catch up, and it's so exciting. You're like, yeah. you really want to find out what he's going to say next because he sounds like he's just catching up with the song and it's really incredible in that way. And of course, that's due, I'm sure at least somewhat, to Riz's incredible production work. And oh, yeah. it's, his sounds are... It's, it's so When minimal. that organ just kicks yeah. in, you know, oh, so, yeah. But it's so... Like, the beat is so minimal and so pared back, it doesn't leave any room for the rappers to be anything less than immaculate. And thankfully, he knew what the fuck he was doing because he totally, yeah, nailed that thing. Yeah, yeah um, I think the, the sample he uses, this is the, uh, the Charmel's As Long As I've Got You, Oh, right. Um, yeah. It uh, houses it really, really nicely within, I guess, black music. It's really wonderful in that way to keep it, I guess, I don't know, like in the family, so to speak. Which sure. is, I guess, <laughs> particularly for hip-hop um, at the time, being, like, I guess, the new African-American music after jazz and funk. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and, and quite so, importantly so. And like, it's so wonderful to house it in the, in, the, in the historical context, because they were, this album, whether or not they knew it at the time, it was a game-changer. It was going to be a game-changer. I think Wizard always planned it that way. He's playing an empire. Honestly, yeah. I don't um, think they ever planned anything. It was this... this Oh, really? no, no, no. Yeah, Rizzo, no, he, he I, I, I understand the ambition, but like to me, no. like Wu Tang is just a happy accident. It's just no like, oh way, shit, no. here we are. Because Rizzo was all like, you guys give me X years and I will make this work. Five year plan. Rizzo had a five year plan. He had a five year, 
What? Yeah, Riz had a fight. And no not only way. that, he made sure that the individual members of the Wu-Tang that were going to do go have their solo careers, and he planned which ones were going to go first. He was like, okay, Method Man, we're going to make you first, <laughs> and then we're going to make you guys, and you're going to have all your albums, and I'm going to produce them. It's an empire. So and you're yeah, all, an and empire, they were yeah. all signed on different labels. That's, that's, that's the domination. Yeah. And you know, they were the, f- and it's, it's really important, like, kind of saying it, because they're also one of the first bands to launch a brand before, before Diddy did it, before any yeah. of those other guys came in. There was the Wu Tang clothing brand. Yeah. And they, the commercialization, in a way. <laughs> and you can kind of hold that against them, if, depending on where you well, stand. Like I like said, if we wear that, I'd, I'm just like, oh, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to avoid it. Like, you know what I mean? I, knew, I, I certainly knew the logo from, being, from people who bullied me for reading before, <laughs> before I knew the band. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so, so bad. Exactly. Like, Exactly the same with Chisel. The, the people associated with Cold Chisel were loud V8 driving, yeah. beer swilling, yeah, back in Australia, those kind of cunts. But, but then, unlike Cold Chisel, it's actually great to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Cold Chisel. I love them now because I got to the point where it's just like, oh, actually, I've never really listened to Cold Chisel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and rediscover these songs. Uh, when, this was when they put out their greatest hits record a couple of years ago, and I, I like I fucking loved it, like Flame Trees and Bow River and shit like that. And so it, it was just like I always associated Wu Tang with like you know big dumb bogan hip hop fucks. And after a while, it's just like oh, I've never actually really listened to Wu Tang Clan. And then you put on Thirty Six Chambers, it's like yeah. well, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Next yeah, week. I mean, like someone, uh, our friend Joe, who, yeah. my hip hop friend. Yeah, he guessed it on this very. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Joe. He's no doubt listening. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. I mean, you're, you're welcome back anytime you like, man. Joe, thank you for making me listen to this album because you know, I mean, I'm not the biggest hip hop fan, but this is this is just a phenomenal album, man. Like, oh, yeah. dude, I'm so and glad to hear you say yeah, that. No, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. And this, you know, like I, this is probably my favorite song on the album as well. Oh, so, great. Like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, well, this is potentially time for me to pitch my Dairy Farmers recursive. <laughs> hip-hop project uh, with the song Cream Rules Everything Around Me <laughs> and some other songs when I figure them out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, this is a great time to open it up to the public if you have any other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have, like, a hip-hop <laughs> song that is about dairy but it recurs, it recurs in some way, like an acronym of Cream being Cream Rules Everything Around Me, Get in touch because we'll, we'll make that work. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a rapper who is passionate about dairy products as well, like, yeah, 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 absolutely, get on board. This honestly, this song is just fantastic. It's, it's so good. It, honestly, like as, as good as um, like the uh, methods hook. I actually quite like a bit of Method Man's solo material from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And Dex verse, I guess, is less interesting. But this is this is Ray and Rizza yeah. just doing what they do best. They're both just, totally. but both of them slay here. It's so yeah. so 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 good to hear. Yeah. I like I do like what uh, what Deck is about in his verse though you know kicking the youth uh, kicking the truth to the young black youth yeah. like I mean that's that's a wonderful that's such a line. that's such a fucking yeah. killer line yeah. yeah yeah he nails it in a few lines there yeah. so cool Wu Tang <laughs> all right in case y'all didn't know this is episode nineteen of a twenty episode season next uh, time you catch up with us we're going to be doing the top ten of the hottest one hundred of nineteen ninety three. We're treating you to a double feature. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a race to the finish. It's going to be super exciting. Heaps of big songs to talk about. Heaps of songs that I'm personally really, really excited mm, to For sure, yes. Yeah. The opinions are going to be hot, and they're going to be coming fast. Actually, like a beam, like a kestrel. It's going to be one for the ages. Yeah, definitely will. But before we do that, we're going to have a short take of stock uh, and look back over the previous 90 songs that we've talked about. And, I don't know, like... I guess consider which ones we thought were too low and which ones we thought were too high. It's a chance for us to play Kingmakers and King Slayers. <laughs> so why don't we start with Nathan? What do you recommend? Yeah, cool. So thinking about the countdown and like, I one of the things that surprised me about the whole thing is just the amount of weird, like, <laughs> exercise like, sweat was in it. Um, boom shakalak. Oh, the and reggae you are, Like, all of that, like, why? Why to is To be fair, there? the top ten should just be boom shakalak. Well, yeah, that, I would have no problem with I that. I think we know what Dave's gonna say. <laughs> the song that I... Well, I mean, there are a lot of songs that are too high, and honestly, most of them are too high. Yeah. But... Yeah. If I had to pick one song that was too high, I'd probably have to go with a fewer somewhere, which yeah. was in the 20s. Yeah, yeah. number 26. The tw- like, that's... Oh, how did that happen? Way too high. Way too high. And if I want to bump a song up, I'm probably going to have to say Crowded House. There are other great songs in the countdown as well, but as Crowded House is only... Appearance in the countdown, yeah. I'd like it to be higher than it was. Guys, if you, if you haven't listened to that episode yet where Nathan talks about Crowded House, if you want to hear what it sounds like, 
to for someone Windoves crying. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we're done crying. Totally. Go back and listen to Nathan's talk about crying. Go back and listen to episode number nine. Okay, so Andrew, man, I'm really eager to know what song you hated the most. Um, like it's you had some hate. It's been a pretty hateful season. Pretty difficult toss up between if you are. Future of the Putrid, and of course, Green Jelly. Three Little Pigs. Yeah, Three Little Pigs. Pigs. my second choice. Yeah, it's very difficult to say. And I must say, I'm going to have to say that my downvote goes to Three Little Pigs. If you are, was terrible, I and it was much higher It up, was pretty low to start with, though. It's still too high. That's, that's what made the decision for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. was high. Yeah, but, but Green Little Pigs, the fact that it received one vote, the fact that it received one fucking play <laughs> is too fucking much yeah. for that piece of shit. One vote is hundreds too many. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> We, um, had, we had a slight disagreement on that as well because I I, I kind of saw the yeah. joke in it a little bit more. Like yeah, I, yeah, I still about that one. I still think that they're like you you said that like if what I said was true they outtism to tism. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, I believe it was a quote. I can't fathom it. I truly can't fathom it. I would love to fathom it Man, because I, I love fathoming. I still, but, I still think so. Yeah. I still think that's for me. But I, it's a horrible yeah. song to listen to. I'm it's like, terrible. I yeah. Stricken from the record, and the song and, that yeah, I would love to make. have seen a bit higher, I'm gonna have to say uh, REM, Man on the Moon. Mm. Nice call. That was because where was that? That was in 80s, 90s, 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 
Well, you just spent, sent him spam, right? <laughs> so you forward this, or you have terrible love life in ten years. Well, oh, Dave Green is the housewife's choice. He'll never have a bad love crush life. Will call you at ten o'clock tonight. Exactly. <laughs> He is the guy, Dave Greeny, and I'm going to pick... I mean, oh, they're both fine choices, both on design and the countdown, but I'm going to go with your just two-hit baby. Yeah. And if you want to hear what pure hatred sounds like, <laughs> in, con- in, contrast, in contrast to pure love, yeah. to pure love, you can listen to, to what I had to say yeah. about your just two-hit baby. So check out on episode... Episode 9, which is titled The People vs. Dave oh, Greeny. I am the people. I am the voice of the people in that episode. I'm <laughs> and then Andrew got uh, one in a couple of episodes later when the episode was titled The Extent of My Greeny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dave has had a couple of uh, great little mentions in our podcast yeah. so far. Maybe he'll get and it's most improved next year. Who knows? <laughs> does he come back? He sure does. Great. I'm really looking forward to continuing this this train. <laughs> the grainy train. If it's war they want, then war they shall have. We shall fight them on the beaches. <laughs> shall fight them at Dave's house. At the RSLs. <laughs> <laughs> we shall the fight RSLs. them at the RSLs. <laughs> Yeah. Milton Theatre. He had a poster yeah. up there last night. When oh, I went. lovely! I saw it. Was, it was like, oh, he was like standing wearing like flippers, and I'm like, this is this is it. This is why. That's that the, is, that's a, the that is right. one malignant grainy. That is <laughs> malignant grainy. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on behalf of Andrew McDonald, thank you. David James Young, you, Nathan Harrison, thank you, and myself, Adam Buncher. You can check us out on the WordPress. You can check us out on iTunes. Uh, subscribe and please join us next time where we are going to be doing the top 10 for the Hottest 100 of 1993. This is Hottest 100s and Thousands. Take care. Hottest 100s and 1000s is filmed in front of a live studio audience.